Hey, it's Peter. So you're listening to the show, and you're probably shouting out answers or whispering them if you're in a public space or if you're listening to the show on the sly while on a date. Wouldn't it be great if you could shout out answers and we'd respond? Well, if you have a smart speaker, it'll happen. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to open the Wait, Wait quiz and Bill and I will appear as if by magic, asking questions for you to answer, and Bill will even give you your score at the end. And if you're really good, you could win the ultimate prize, the voice of your choice on your voicemail. It's the next best thing to having us come over to your house. It's even better because we tend to eat a lot. Try the Wait, Wait quiz on your smart speaker. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. Lay me down for a triple word score. I'm Scrabble (laughs) Curtis. And here is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, everybody. Great show for you today, especially because we're going to go to a place where we have never gone before. You see, here at Wait, Wait, we worry about a lot of things. Our panelists, our crew, the quality of our jokes, and whether or not you can tell they are jokes. But today we discuss something we never have to think about here, which is clothing. There are so many questions. For example, should we now be wearing pants? (laughs) So today we are gonna ask all our pressing questions to an expert, Ruth E. Carter, the Oscar winner for her costume design on the movie Black Panther. Fortunately, though, she will not be able to see us either. <laughs> we don't care if you bother to put on pants first. Give us a call to play our game. The number is one triple eight. Wait, wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you're on. Wait, wait. Don't tell me. Hello, this is Judy from Tampa Bay. Oh, how are things in Tampa Bay? They're awesome. A beautiful day today, 72 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> There's your reaction, Judy. Well, thanks Sorry. for calling, but I'm afraid you've lost. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our show, Judy. Let me introduce you to our panel this week. First up, it's the co-host of the podcast, Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. It's Adam Felber. Hey, Judy. Next, it's a features writer for the style section of the Washington Post. It's Roxanne Roberts. Hello, Judy. Finally, a writer and performer you've seen playing Mike Pence on The President Show. It's Peter Gross. Hi, Judy. Hi, Peter. Now, Judy, you're going to start us off with Who's Bill this time. Bill Curtis is going to read for you three quotations from the week's news. You expected this. And you know that you have to correctly identify or explain just two of them. Do that. You will win our prize, the voice of anyone you may choose from our show on your voicemail. You ready to play? I'm ready. Here is your first quote. Well, at least there won't be hate anymore. That was David Waldman on Twitter celebrating the passage Thursday of a bold resolution in Congress condemning hate. By whom? (laughs) The Congress. The Congress, yes, but which half of Congress? The House of Representatives. Okay, you're doing so well. Which half (laughs) of the House of Representatives? The Democratic House of Representatives. (laughs) On Thursday, all the Democrats in the House voted to condemn bigotry, so hopefully you all got in your bigotry before it became illegal this (laughs) week. The Democrats took over the House of Representatives in January, and they were united, determined, and focused and it was amazing that it lasted all of six weeks before (laughs) they reverted to their natural state of backstabbing and purity testing. 
this week's disaster all started around Representative Ilhan Omar, who said something some people thought was anti-Semitic, but she says it wasn't, and the argument got so bad, even Representative Omar was heard to say, Oi, I've had it up to my tuchus with this Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> so they finally decided to deal with it by passing a resolution condemning all kinds of hate, including anti-Semitism, racism, Islamophobia, and whatever Taylor Swift was upset about in that song. <laughs> Now, didn't it start with just anti-Semitism? Yeah, and they yeah, had to was, add to it to, to, add, to yes. get more people on. Yeah, it was this weird sort of bizarre political thing that only Democrats could do. And right? this isn't even a law. This isn't even no, a it's bill. Just a this resolution. Just a, we don't like hate. Yeah, we don't like hate, and they all decided they could agree on this, <laughs> except 21 Republicans voted against it. And I admired them. I don't. I don't know why they would do that though, because I feel like they should just vote yes on everything and like. It's like when someone, like when someone's beating themselves up, you just sort of get out of the way and make sure you don't get hit by their yeah. flailing hands. Yeah. I feel like they should just be like, we're actually gonna all take a, the week off and you guys just like, <laughs> just fight against each other for but a second. But they're worried about being primaried, right? There's like talk amongst yourselves and then there's fight amongst yourselves. Yeah, I mean, it did, it, it did introduce an interesting discussion. Can you be critical of Israel without being anti-Semitic? No. <laughs> oh, sorry, okay. And if, is it anti-Semitism if you just hate Jared Kushner? Just <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, your next quote is a Washington Post comment on a landmark in space exploration. It's scheduled for next week. It's just two astronautuses doing their work. If it all goes according to schedule, next week NASA will stage the first all-female what? Flight into space. Well, no, that's been done before, but what's never been done before is just women doing one particular activity out there in space. A spacewalk. Yes, a spacewalk. Nice. Very good. It's great. The first all-female spacewalk. It's great because in space, no one can hear you say, why don't you smile more? <laughs> At the end of March, two... Uh, two female astronauts will do a spacewalk together 245 miles above the Earth because that's literally how far you have to go to really avoid getting harassed at work. <laughs> do, they, do, do they have to do it backward in heels? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have a question. Why do women always go to space in pairs? It's so weird. It's so weird. Like, why guys do they will do just that? Go, to, go to space. Guys will go into space by themselves. Wait, they like, want to go to space. Yeah. yeah, like, what's up, Rock? Speak yeah. for all women. Yeah. <laughs> Because so they strange. want to get the hell away from <laughs> The announcement that space will no longer be habitable for Mike Pence has been <laughs> met with praise and excitement all around. Women are excited. Space nerds are excited. TMZ is already speculating about what the ladies will be wearing. <laughs> it's tough, though. You show up for your big historic spacewalk. Your photograph is going to be in the Smithsonian. And you realize the woman next to you is wearing the same suit. <laughs> Um, what's interesting, and this is also true, just to really make history, the crew managing the spacewalk back down at Mission Control, also all women. The whole thing is going to be so constructive so the first and <laughs> empowering and cooperative. It's like, Houston, you don't have a problem. You're perfect. <laughs> I would love to see it reported kind of like old-timey newsreel store, uh, style. Well, these lovely ladies are going out into space. Can you imagine? <laughs> I guess those windows really did need cleaning. <laughs> Come back nice. in, ladies. These men don't know what to eat for dinner. <laughs> All right. Moving along before we're instantly canceled. Your last quote is in response to a big article in Forbes this week. 
Ah, Kylie Jenner. Those days getting up at 5 a.m. to deliver the paper in the snow, <laughs> saving up every nickel. That article announced to the world that Ms. Jenner is now the youngest ever what in all of history? Billionaire? Yes! Yeah. She became the youngest billionaire. Although, what's interesting is that Forbes referred to Kylie Jenner as the world's youngest self-made billionaire. <laughs> Because it's true, Jenner did it on her own without any help from anybody except her incredibly famous and wealthy family who put her on reality TV at hmm. the age of 10. How old is she now? Wow. She's 21. She, 21. And how old was Zuckerberg? Like? Zuckerberg was 23. Oh, I mean, you can they're both so odious. I don't know who it's like. I don't feel like, I'm like, oh, I feel bad for Zuckerberg, but also I'm like, I don't feel bad for him. He's, <laughs> he's kind of a horrible I really, person. I, don't, I mean, I, I don't think Kylie Jenner is odious. She actually started this company selling cosmetics, starting with lip gloss, and she's actually sold a lot of lip gloss which may or may not be important, but you know, Zuckerberg's like, wow, do you know how much of the world I had to ruin to get my billion <laughs> dollars? Yes, overall, she's, do she's done a less uh, harmful less thing for society. Yeah. And actually, you know, if you think about it, previous billionaires have made their uh, money by uh, denuding forests yes. and, and extracting oil from the earth at the uh, expense of so all of our she's health. she's an innocuous billionaire. So I actually oh. think she's my favorite billionaire. Yeah. Wow. Now that I come to think about it. <laughs> Good for her and her lip gloss. Well, yeah. that's when you find out that her lip gloss is made from panda tears, and then that takes <laughs> <laughs> uh, We should have known. She's, she's also very charitable. She's, uh, she's set up a charity to help underprivileged women have access to basic makeup. It's called the Kylie Jenner Foundation Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, how did Judy do in our quiz? I just want Kylie to know that I'll be happy to be her billionaire. <laughs> yeah. Judy did great. 3-0. Congratulations, Judy. Thank you. Well done. Enjoy the weather. We want to remind everybody they can join us most weeks right here at the Chase Bank Auditorium in Chicago, Illinois. For tickets and more information, go to wbez.org, or you can find a link at our website, waitwait.npr.org. Right now, panel, it is time for you to answer some questions about this week's news. Roxanne, for the first mission to Mars, NASA is looking for scientists, engineers, and pilots, but they'll also be looking for a what? A pet? Is a dog in space? You know, no, no, no dogs, no, no pets. No, That's the kind of person. I think they should have. It's, it's, it's a kind of person. It's a, I think it's they should have a dog in space. I think it would make space nicer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Not it, for it, the it, dog. It, it works for the first time until you let the dog out, and then you're like, <laughs> no, not a dog. Okay. <laughs> a kind of person, a person who's good at something. A chef. No. A, uh, a prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible suggestion that I could never have gotten away with. Now, so wait, let, let, let's hear her out. Tell us more about this uh, <laughs> the space prostitute. <laughs> Tonight on Space Prostitute. <laughs> I'm going to need a hint. Here's a hint. Uh, thanks, everybody. You've been great. I'll be here for eight months. Try the dehydrated veal. A comedian? Yes, a comedian. That's going to get old really fast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, it's a comedian. Can it be Louis C.K., please? <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. 
<laughs> no, NASA is considering the value of including a comedian, professional or otherwise, on uh, long-distance space flights. Uh, so if you thought you were interested in a voyage to Mars, you might want to think again, because you might get locked in there with Carrot Top. <laughs> I gotta say, I've, I've, I've worked with many comedians. Very few of them have six months of great material. I know. <laughs> well, that's the problem. What do you do? You're out there, oh, and it's like, he's, he stands up as well. You know, it's funny, I recently started dating again, and it was like, we've been here for two years. You haven't dated anybody, even the prostitute doesn't want anything to do with you. Beautiful night tonight, nice. anyone like, here from NASA? <laughs> NASA, show of hands. Where do you live, sir? Right over there. <laughs> Coming up, our panelists answer one of the world's great eternal questions. It's Bluff the Listener. Call one wait wait to play We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Trader Joe's, where beach-worthy fashion is always in style, and you never have to wait for delicious foods and beverages from around the world. Speaking of waiting, you don't have to wait any longer for more episodes of Trader Joe's original podcast series, Inside Trader Joe's. You'll find new episodes on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. More at TraderJoe's.com and at Trader Joe's on Instagram and Pinterest. It came out of the blue one night when she was sleeping, a searing pain that jumped from one part of Devin's body to another. Why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? This week on Invisibilia, the surprising story of how pain spread through a culture. Our culture. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Roxanne Roberts, Peter Gross, and Adam Felber. And here again is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. Thank you so much. Right now, you know what time it is. It's time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff the Listener game. Call one wait wait to play our game on the air. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Brian from Seattle, Washington. Hey, how are things in Seattle? Pretty good. We actually had a little scare of snow today. Uh, <gasps> oh, my <before>. God. <laughs> What do you do there in Seattle? Uh, I am an elementary music teacher. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> elementary school music teachers have to listen to the worst quality of music. That's true. Being played by beginning yeah, yeah, young do. students. Re recorders are not fun right now. No, no, no. Well, welcome to the show, Brian. You're going to play our game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. Bill, what is Brian's topic? Indeed, Peter. What is the topic? Life has so many great questions. Just as we ask, if a tree falls in the forest, does it make it sound? Our children will one day ask, what is a tree? <laughs> this week, one of the great questions actually got answered. Our panel is going to tell you about it. Pick the one who's telling the truth, and you'll win the wait waiter of your choice doing your voicemail. Are you ready to play? Yes, I am. All right, first, let's hear from Adam Felber. Why do fools fall in love? The musical question posed in 1956 by Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers, and then again in 1998 in a film starring Halle Berry, now has a scientific answer. Because love makes you stupid. <laughs> a landmark study by the UCLA School of Neuropathology released last month reveals that falling in love can lower your IQ by as much as 20 points. So for everyone who emerges from a bad breakup asking, what was I thinking? Well, the scientific answer is, you weren't. <laughs> 
Lead researcher Dr. Don Colburn says that single test subjects were issued a thorough cognitive exam as a baseline and were retested over the following years, and that when subjects found themselves in a new relationship, their intellectual abil abilities plummeted. One subject, shown a Picasso portrait, initially wrote, quote, the reductive cubist approach shows a deep anxiety about the multifarious nature of identity. Two years later, that same man, now in a new relationship, wrote, quote, she seems pretty and happy. I like her. <laughs> and he misspelled pretty. Dr. Colborn, who himself has gone through two divorces, says that new lovers showed higher levels of adrenaline, endorphins, and other mentally impairing hormones. Quote, they basically put the dope in dopamine, he said. <laughs> However, it should be noted that when asked some follow-up questions three weeks later, Dr. Colburn had recently met a wonderful new woman, and he answered, quote, do you like pancakes? I like pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> Why do fools fall in love? Because love makes you stupid. Your next story of a cue being aid comes from Roxanne Roberts. It was Freud who first asked and said he had never been able to answer the great question, what does a woman want? Stanford Business School professor Evan McManus believes he finally knows. McManus was watching those cheesy Valentine's Day commercials two years ago and decided to find out what women really want based on purchasing data, social media algorithms, advertising research, and voting records. Forget flowers, chocolate, and diamonds. According to McManus's findings, which were released Monday, women want 7.3 hours of sleep a night, <laughs> purple yoga mats, but black yoga pants, <laughs> Book clubs if you don't have to read the book. <laughs> Clumpable kitty litter. Idris Elba. <laughs> Box wine, but not in public. More animal emojis. Equal pay for equal work. Sex, but not when they have to get up in five hours. And hedgehogs. Wait, hedgehogs? Why hedgehogs? McManus told the New York Times he has no idea, but hedgehogs top every current metric for female happiness. <laughs> <laughs> McManus's best guess, I blame Twitter. <laughs> so, the question, what do women want? The answer, a whole lot of things, and for some reason, hedgehogs. Your last story of a question answered comes from Peter Gross. Humanity has long grappled with the big questions. What is our purpose? How many roads must a man walk down before you can call him a man? And the biggest question of all, which way do I place the toilet paper on the toilet paper holder? <laughs> you could go with the end of the roll draped over the top, causing the paper to cascade over the front like a pillowy waterfall, or you can go with the end of the roll tucked discreetly under the roll itself, allowing for a more restrained and modest unfurling. You don't care which way your toilet paper emerges from its cushiony two-ply cocoon? Pick a side, you coward! <laughs> the over-under debate has raged for years. It has led to unmendable rifts betwixt roommates. It has laid waste to marriages. It even sparked the bloody Iberian toilet paper wars of the late 1950s. Which is why the people at the magazine Choice, a sort of Australian consumer reports, decided to settle this vexing issue once and for all. This week, they published an incendiary article featuring a recently discovered patent from 1891 for the original toilet paper roll. It included a detailed 128-year-old pictograph which showed definitive proof of proper paper placement over the top of the roll. Over! 
Boom! Thank you. It was a stunning proclamation. After today, mankind shall never be the same. Brother will no longer fight against brother. Husband and wife shall no longer argue over toilet paper placement and will instead argue about everything else. And most importantly, toilet paper itself can rest easy, knowing it shall never again be forced to cower under the oppressive yoke of the role from which it sprang. It can now launch itself majestically over the top of the role before being deployed in the pursuit of its septic destiny. Somebody booed me. (laughs) So, these are the questions, one of which got answered. Was it from Adam, why do fools fall in love? From Roxanne, what do women want? Or from Peter Gross, should your toilet paper roll go from over the top or come from under the bottom? Which of these is the persistent question that finally got answered? Uh, I I think we'll go with the toilet paper. All right, you're going to go with the toilet paper. Peter's story. All right, you have selected Peter's story of the great discovery of the toilet paper roll orientation. Well, to bring you the correct answer, we spoke to someone familiar with the real story. The patent clearly shows that the toilet paper is coming (laughs) over the roll. That was Doug McCombs, chief curator of the Albany Institute of History and Art talking about toilet paper and the fact that we now know that it comes over the top. Congratulations, you won. Peter got a point, but more to the point, you won our prize, the voice of anyone you may choose on your voicemail. Congratulations and thank you. Thank you. And now the game where we ask somebody who has won it all to win something small. The Academy Awards a few weeks ago made history, not because the ceremony didn't have a host, not because it featured Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper conceiving a child on national TV. (laughs) No, because for the first time ever, African-American women won Oscars in categories other than acting. We are delighted to be joined by one of them now, the Academy Award winner for her costume design in the movie Black Panther, Ruth E. Carter. Welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell First of all, congratulations on the Oscar win. Uh, Have you gotten over it? Are you still sort of a buzz? Do you walk around holding it all day? Yeah, I do. I pick it up. I put it down. I pick it back up. I look at it. (laughs) Really? Yeah, it's a good weightlifting uh, tool, too. Yeah. Now, you were nominated a bunch of times before. So were you surprised when you finally won, or you were like, it's my turn? Um, it's been 21 years since the last nomination. Really? So, yeah, I was like, man, if this is going to take 21 years each time, I better grab this now. <laughs> now, you're the first costume designer we've ever talked to, so I just wanted to go over some basic stuff. So you're the costume designer for a film. Do you ever do you ever uh, have to deal with like actor egos, like you pick out the perfect costume for a particular character and like, I'm not going to wear that? Uh, you know, I guess you deal with actors' egos on a different level. You know, sometimes they they say, you know, I can't wear that color, you know, or, um, but because we're discovering a character, we are both kind of contributing to the conversation. Right. So you have to occasionally just say, yes, so maybe your character has a bigger butt. Exactly. <laughs> yes. 
I, than I, you I, do. I'm, 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 it's amazing to me that in addition to everything else you have to do, you have to pretend to listen to actors. I'm sorry. That's yeah, a hard you job. know, I studied <laughs> psychology. You know, I took that first class in college. You know, it really did become helpful. All that right. would be a great class, psychology for dealing with actors. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get to the fun stuff, which is a movie like Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Comic book movie, fictional, fantastical science fiction country. You are like the, the most qualified person to ask about something that I've always thought, which is that a great problem for making comic book movies is that unlike in comic books, people wearing superhero suits in real life essentially look dumb. Yeah, because they don't realize it's their whole process to making that thing. You just don't go to the store and get some spandex and sew it up. No. So how, you have to go, I mean, because we all, I grew up when we were watching like dumb superhero shows on TV like Batman and people just look dumb. Yeah. So yeah, how do you go about. the unfortunate part. So how do you make it so like the Black Panther when he's in his superhero suit running around doesn't well, look dumb? Yeah, well, we do a muscle sculpt. That helps. What do you and, mean? Uh, well, we take a, a vacuform kind of mannequin version of Chadwick Boseman's real body form, and we add the clay to uh, his muscles, and we form a superhero kind of uh, a physique. Are you telling me that that's... I'm that, telling that, you the secret. That's yes. not all Chadwick Boseman no, under there? No, so it doesn't matter how much muscle milk you drink, you're never going to be a superhero. you got to have some clay muscles. So you're to telling me that that like, amazing superhero suit that Chadwick Boseman is wearing yeah. in the movie yeah. is just like those padded things that the kids have at yeah. Halloween, and, like the muscles yeah. Yeah. are like, built yeah. in? Yeah, listen, don't do this at home, kids. It's not exaggerated as you might think. It's just a little, you know, because we don't want to, you know, to really make this outstanding. It's like Spanx, but in the other direction. Right. Kind of like pushes things out instead of sucking help. them in. It's just more shoulders, you yeah. know? It's not much. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you make my suit, I want more than a little help. Okay. <laughs> you are going to win uh, more than an Oscar if you make us look <laughs> that muscular. <laughs> there, there's a famous line in one of the early Spider-Man movies where he, he refers to his costume and says, there's a little binding in the crotch. Is that true of your superhero costume? Oh, no, there's a zipper, you know. Oh, okay. (laughs) So you are now an Oscar-winning costume designer. You've been a leading costume designer many, many films for many, many years. Does that put some pressure on you to dress when you go out in public? Oh, no, I've always been the anti-fashion. I think that's what makes me kind of unique, that I'm not trying to please or prove myself to anyone. It's not in how I look. It's how I dress other people. Come on. Really? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, how about Halloween? I would expect if I if you came to my Halloween party, which I hope you do someday, I would expect that you would walk in with like the costume. Is this yeah, pre- that's why I don't go to Halloween parties. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you're done getting accolades. I feel like you don't have to like force your way to get accolades at Halloween parties. That's yeah. like, that's for amateur. That's yeah. amateur hour. Once you win an Oscar, I you're think not, you're good. If you, if you no, walked into a party, Everybody wants me to do their costume yes, exactly. at Hollywood. Yeah. Do you get that? Do you get like people, because it's Hollywood, people have money and they call you up and say, I want to be an amazing Halloween costume. Yeah, Can I hire you to do it? Because they think ho- costume is a joke, you know, that I'm going to do a Halloween costume after I design the Black Panther. <laughs> yeah. But I'm here to tell you I'm not going to do it. Really? <laughs> no. Well, Ruth Carter, what a pleasure to talk to you. We've invited you here to play a game we're calling... I hate Mondays. You designed Black Panther, so we decided to ask you about the Orange Panther. That is Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> the inexplicably beloved comic strip character. Yeah. 
answer two out of three questions correctly, you'll win our prize for one of our listeners, the voice of anyone they might choose in their voicemail. Bill, who is Ruth Carter playing for? Brent and Angie in Indianapolis. They are winners of the Wait, Wait quiz available now on your smart speaker. You ready to play, Ruth? I'm ready. Here's your first question. Garfield was invented by his creator, Jim Davis, back in 1978. What inspired Mr. Davis to create the beloved character? A, his own cat, a beloved tubby tabby named Taft. B, his brother, who was fat, lazy, loved lasagna, and occasionally cleaned himself by licking his hands. Or C, a desire to create, quote, a good marketable character, unquote, that would make him a lot of money. Oh, his tubby tabby. No. Oh. It was C, he wanted to make a lot of money. Really? Oh, he, he did some research, and at the time, there were all these dogs in the comics, but no cats, and he figured there were like 15 million cat owners who might enjoy a cat comic, so he created it to be popular, and it worked. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, two more chances here. In 2004, Garfield the movie came out. It was panned by critics, of course, but Garfield was voiced by legendary actor Bill Murray. Why did Bill Murray agree to play Garfield? Was it A... The producers agreed to pay him with a lifetime supply of Italian beef sandwiches from his favorite Chicago <laughs> restaurant. B, he mistakenly thought that the movie's screenwriter, Joel Cohen, with an H, was Joel Cohen of the Cohen Brothers. Or C, he was still angry that he wasn't allowed to provide a voice for the gopher in Caddyshack. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna try B. You're right! Yeah, right. that makes sense. As unlikely as it sounds. Oh my God. He thought that he was doing a movie that was written by one of the Coen brothers, and he says he didn't realize his mistake until he was in the studio recording his lines, and all of them were terrible. <laughs> <laughs> all right, last question. If you get this right, you win. Here we go. Okay. Not every Garfield strip has been embraced by his fans, such as which of these examples? A, a 2007 strip in which Odie burns an American flag while screaming <laughs> death to America. <laughs> B, a 1997 strip in which John's girlfriend Liz catches him wearing her underwear. <laughs> or C, a series of strips the week of Halloween 1989 written as a horror comic in which Garfield faces his greatest fear, existential loneliness. <laughs> oh, brother. Let's see. Um, I'm going to try B. You're going to try B? in which John's girlfriend Liz catches him <laughs> wearing her underwear? No, wait, no, they'll do that one. Let's no. say C. 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 So you're going to go for C, the existential yeah. heart? Yeah. That's what it yeah. was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was a hard one. It was hard, but if you've never seen these very real comics from 1989, I highly recommend you look it up. Because Garfield, as opposed to being funny and chubby and angry, he wakes up in an empty house where no one is left. And he spends all week panicking because he's facing his greatest fear, oh. loneliness. <laughs> Bill, how did Ruth Carter do in our quiz? Ruth got two out of three, which is a win for Yay. us. Yay! Second prize. Yeah. It's, it's, it's got to be better. Right? It's just all uphill. Yeah. It's like Oscar, wait, wait, don't tell me, Nobel. Ruth E. Carter won the Oscar for costume design for Black Panther just this year. A museum exhibit featuring her designs is now traveling the world. Ruth E. Carter, thank you so much for joining us on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Congratulations on the movie and the Oscar, and we'll look forward to what's next. Take care.
In just a minute, Bill's got sauce in the Listener Limerick Challenge. Call one wait wait to join us in the air. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Capital One. With the new Capital One Saver card, you can earn 4% cash back on dining and entertainment. That means 4% on checking out that new restaurant everybody's talking about and 4% on watching your team win at home. Now when you go out, you cash in. You'll also earn 2% cash back at grocery stores and 1% on all other purchases. What's in your wallet? Hey, it's Guy Raz here, and on the latest episode of How I Built This, how Squarespace founder Anthony Casalena came up with the idea for a better website publishing tool in his college dorm room, and since then, built it into a company valued at $1.7 billion. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. The NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We are playing this week with Peter Gross, Adam Felber, and Roxanne Roberts. And here again is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Segal. Thank you, Bill. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. In just a minute, like a lime to a lemon, a lemon to a lime, Bill Curtis will be here to show you how to (laughs) rhyme. It's the Listener Limerick Challenge. If you'd like to play, give us a call at one wait wait That's one 888 9248 Right now, panel, some more questions for you from the week's news. Peter, this week, an NPR report focused on a new crisis for our nation's elderly, the desire to extend their life expectancy long enough to see what? To see their friends die before them. <laughs> uh, to see um, great-grandchildren or something? No, no, no. no. Who cares about that? No, no. Political. Oh, something now? Oh, they want to live past Trump's presidency. Not quite. According to some uh, rumors in the press, it might be as soon as next week. Some people say they'll have to stay alive until, like, later in the spring. Oh, they want to they live to see the Mueller report? Exactly right. <laughs> wow. Wait a second. So I, I thought it was like a matter of like years of like, you know, no, like no, I want to live to see, see my Mueller grandchild report. get married. Uh, the NPR story described a 93-year-old man who was on his deathbed <laughs> and, he, and he suddenly sat up, you know, from what presumably was his terminal coma and looked at his son and said his last words, quote, oh bleep, I'm not going to see the Mueller report, am I? <laughs> He'll get the Mueller report he wants in heaven, That's probably. <laughs> This is apparently. So what are they saying? Like, don't unplug me? They're like reversing their exactly, DNR? Exactly. So <laughs> no, like, I want to live. <laughs> this is common with seniors all over the country. Some of them added that once the report does come out, it wouldn't hurt if their grandkids called them once in a while with the details. <laughs> in order to extend their lifespan, in order to live long enough to see this news, doctors are recommending that seniors stop watching the news. <laughs> Peter, the latest dumb thing people are doing in the internet, well, they're posting videos of happy parents doing what to their babies? They're happy parents uh, trying to um, catch their kids up on the most recent season of Bachelor so that they're all up to date, they know what's going on. Um, They're throwing their babies? Did someone say They're not throwing their babies. All right, stop giving me hints because you're distracting me. Uh, They are throwing... Throwing something that sounds like keys. 
They're throwing keys at their babies. Baby swap parties. <laughs> Everybody put your baby in a fishbowl, and then afterwards, we'll just take whatever baby home. So, um, I don't know. It's okay. a baby, not a cracker. What do you throw at a cracker? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you throw anything at a cracker, it's going to break. Uh, cheese? Yes, they throw they're cheese. throwing hot cheese. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. Okay. That's what sounded like keys. This is called cheesing. And all you have to do to take part is film yourself throwing a slice of cheese at your baby's face <laughs> and post it on the internet. Should be a, a slice of American cheese. Yes, technically it's a slice of American cheese. Because it couldn't be. Like, it shouldn't be a hunk of cheese. Yeah, do not oh. use. Or do not a, use or a, a wheel. wheel. Don't use a wheel of cheddar. Is the effect that it hits what? their face comically and like sticks and yes. then slides down? That's that is, exactly. <laughs> the that's end. worth it. That's funny. <laughs> now that I know what it is, that's funny. Yeah. And then they be, usually bemusedly peel it off their heads and eat it. The first cheesing. <laughs> the first cheesing video went up just a week ago. And it got taken down, but not before it was seen hundreds of thousands of times and inspired countless imitators. Wait, it was Act taken down by the parents or by like some of the authorities? Nobody knows. Somebody said, oh, here, I did this to my baby. And they put it up and like 100,000 views later. And they were like, like the uh, department, DCFS took my baby it's and the FDA took my cheese. Exactly. I've got nothing. nothing. No. I've got nothing. I tell you, this is the first time I've ever wanted to have another kid. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up, it's lightning fill in the blank, but first it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one triple eight wait wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. You can click the contact us link on our website waitwait.npr.org. There you can find out about attending our weekly live shows here at the Chase Bank Auditorium in Chicago, and be sure to try out our new interactive quiz for your smart speaker. It's updated every Wednesday. Just say "Open the Wait Wait Quiz" and you'll get your chance to prove how smart you are and win your chance to get the voice of your choice on your voicemail. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, my name is Rachel Vaughn and I live in Des Moines, Iowa. How are things in Des Moines, Rachel? They are cold and snowy. Yeah, it's as, been like as that. As per usual. Right, as per usual. Are, are you asking yourself why you live there as we do here in Chicago? Kind of every day. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, now that we've made ourselves depressed. <laughs> Rachel, welcome to the show. Bill Curtis is going to read for you three news-related limericks with a last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill okay. in that last word or phrase correctly in two of the limericks, you will be a winner. You ready to play? I am. Here is your first limerick. At Heinz, we're a sauce Galileo with flavors we're eager to play-o. Our combos are valid for meats and for salad. We'll mix any flavor with... Mayo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you may remember Mayo Chup, the mayonnaise ketchup combination. It was a huge hit when it was released last year with Mayo fans begging Heinz to keep mixing all the goos together, please. Our prayers have been answered with Mayo Must. Shorthand for Mayo must be the reason I had a heart attack. Hmm. It's, of course, a mayonnaise mustard hybrid, just like George W. Bush tried to warn us about years ago. They're also the original failed title was Mayo Turd. Right. <laughs> They're also making a barbecue sauce mayonnaise hybrid called Mayo Q and an antacid mayonnaise hybrid called Mayo Clinic. <laughs> <laughs> there's also like peanut butter and jelly that are in the same mixed jar. All mixed together, I yeah? think there's like a, a like a novelty in like 
you know, two steps, now one. It's yeah. 50% of your time is uh, gone. You can, you'll be free to go. Throw cheese at your baby. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Pretty soon they'll be selling babies with the cheese already on them. <laughs> time saver. Exactly. <laughs> I want to throw cheese at my baby, but who has the time? <laughs> here, here is your next limerick. This miniature trend's getting worse. I can't pay, I can just reimburse. My minuscule bag is a fun fashion gag, because I can't fit my keys in my... Purse. Yes. yes. Micro purses are the big, small, breakout star of Paris's Fashion Week. They're exactly what they sound like, a purse so tiny you can fit in the palm of your hand. They're only two inches long, and they aren't big enough to hold cash or a credit card which is fine because at $520 a pop, you won't have any money left anyway. <laughs> so you've got this thing, like you've got the models with that sort of stoic expressionless face and they're walking down the runway and they're holding the handles with just the tips of their fingers. Their finger diets finally paid off. <laughs> According to influencers, the only challenge is finding a toy poodle small enough to ride inside, but no problem, <laughs> a pet cockroach fits nicely. <laughs> Here is your last limerick. This week, science gave proof to my hunchies. When on cannabis, I'll eat two lunchies. <laughs> also cookies and sweets. Oh, and chips. Oh, and sweets. <laughs> Smoking pot really gives you the... <laughs> Munchies. <laughs> Munchies, yes! Is this a news story? <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever really looked at pot humor, I mean really looked at it, You'll find endless jokes about the munchies, supposedly the pot-induced urge to eat lots of junk food. But now science has spoken. Munchies are real. A study <laughs> found that states where pot has become legal have a 5% increase in the sales of ice cream, chips, and cookies. I think the science was in when every single person I knew gained 20 pounds <laughs> in freshman year of college. <laughs> who, who pays for this study? Like, how does this... Dominoes. Yeah. It's in the Domino's Institute of Weed Technology. <laughs> Bill, how did Rachel do in our quiz? Well, she did great. She is the champion. Congratulations, Rachel. <laughs> you got all three right. Thanks so much for playing. Bye-bye. Support for this podcast comes from the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, helping NPR advance journalistic excellence in the digital age. Support for NPR comes from Newman's Own Foundation, working to nourish the common good by donating all profits from Newman's Own food products to charitable organizations that seek to make the world a better place. More information is available at newmansownfoundation.org. Now on to our final game, Lightning Fill-in-the-Blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as he or she can. Each correct answer is now worth two points. Bill, can you please give us the scores? Adam and Rox each have two. Peter has four. Oh, my Ooh. gosh. Oh. A good start. All right, we flipped a coin. Roxanne has elected to go first. Roxanne, fill-in-the-blank. Just one week after a summit with President Trump, Blank is reportedly rebuilding a long-range missile site. North Korea. Right. On Monday, Mitch McConnell said, that the Senate would pass a measure to block Trump's blank. The national emergency for the right. border. This week, Nicolas Maduro, the embattled president of blank, detained a freelance journalist from the U.S. 
from Venezuela. Right. Yeah. On Thursday, Chinese tech giant Blank filed a lawsuit against the U.S. over a ban on their products. Huawei? Yeah, Huawei. Very good. Uh -huh. Some customers are complaining after discovering that IKEA's new Blank requires assembly. Toolkit. No, chocolate Easter bunny. Oh. <laughs> That's adorable. Don't eat the Allen wrench. On Wednesday, 300 healthcare experts told the CDC that their guidelines on blank hurt patients in chronic pain. Pain medication? Wait, wait, wait. I don't, I'm I... going to give it to you as opioids, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Best known for his role in Beverly Hills 90210, actor Blank passed Aww, away at the Luke age of 52. Yeah. Philadelphia Phillies fans excited about incoming player Bryce Harper have purchased so many jerseys that local stores have blanked. They, well, there's nothing funny. They probably ran out of merchandise, and they probably had to close their doors, and they probably threw batteries at the customers <laughs> <laughs> trying to buy more Harper stuff. No, um, they ran out of the letter R. What? For the Bryce Harper. You were going to get that in a split second. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't. What? That doesn't even make sense. It's got no, three it does, R's in it. Because they're putting, like, the words Bryce Harper... Bryce Harper in the back of his shirts, and so there's a lot of R's. they're running so out of the merchandise. They're, they're running, running out of R's. It's oh. terrible. It means they can't sell jerseys. They're selling joysies. <laughs> <laughs> and at the stadium, people will be going, and they'll have, like, Quacka Jacks and beers. <laughs> so it's Bryce Harp. Bryce Harper. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, how did Roxanne do in our quiz? Six right, 12 more points, 14. She's in the lead. All right. Next up is Adam. Please, Adam, fill in the blank. According to CNN, President Trump pressured aides to grant security clearance to blank. Uh, Jared Kushner. Yep. And, and his daughter. And, and his daughter. Trump. Trump. Well, uh, yeah. This week, former New York Mayor Blank said he would not run for president in 2020. Mikey Bloomberg. Right. This week, Elon Musk announced that most brick-and-mortar blank stores would be shutting down. Tesla. Right. On Monday, President Trump tweeted that he'd give Alabama, quote, A-plus treatment following a string of deadly blanks. Tornadoes. Right, after firing their last kicker for missing a vital field goal, <laughs> the Chicago Bears announced that this week they'd signed oh. a new kicker named Chris Blank. Miss? <laughs> You're close. I know it. Can I get shank. a point for it? Is it, it, it Shank? Is no, it, is it's it even better. Flub? The new kicker for the Chicago Goat? Bears is named Peter. Chris Blewett. Yes! Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> The clock runs. On Wednesday, Blank overtook Michael Jordan as the NBA's all-time top scoring list. LeBron James. Yes. On Thursday, Mark Zuckerberg outlined his plans to make Blank more focused on user privacy. Facebook. Right. This week, a doping scandal led the world's number one Blank player to be stripped of all his medals. Bowling? No, bridge. I know. I yeah. knew that one. Bridge. The world's number one bridge player has been banned because of doping. <laughs> it's a scandal so shocking it caused people around the world to say, wait, they give out medals for bridge? <laughs> Norway's most celebrated player has been stripped of all of his titles and banned for 2019 after he failed a mandatory drug test. The man says he plans to appeal the ban, but for now he's focusing his energy in his new job, captain of Russia's Olympic ski team. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, how did Adam do in our quiz? Six right, 12 more points. The 14, you might guess, is a tie. All right, so that means that Peter needs how many to win? Five to tie, six to win. Here we go, Peter. This is for the game. Fill in the blank on Wednesday. The DNC said they would not let blank cover any of the party's primary debates. Fox News. Right. On Tuesday, President Trump said he agrees with plans to leave a small force of U.S. troops in blank. Afghanistan? No, in Syria this time. Oh. This week, scientists in London reported the second ever person to be cured of blank. HIV. Right. On Thursday, former Trump lawyer blank filed suit against the Trump organization for legal fees. Cohen? Yes. An attempting carjacking in Wisconsin was foiled when the carjacker blanked. Punched the cow that was trying to carjack him. No. Yeah. He realized that he couldn't drive stick. 
This week, NASA found the first evidence of a giant underground water system on blank. Mars. Right. On Wednesday, Jeopardy host Blank revealed he had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Alex Trebek. Right. This week, a security expert studying data breaches warned that one of the most common passwords is blank. One, two, three, four. No. It's J132K7AU4A83. Rox, did you know that? Did you have that what? in your... <laughs> you know how it goes. You need a password for a new account, so you go with something you won't forget, like J132K7AU4A83. And it turns out you need to include a special character, so you go with J132K7AU4A83 exclamation point. And then just in case you forget it, you add a password hint like your mom's maiden name, which happens to be J132K7AU4A83. <laughs> so you might be wondering, why is that password so common? Because it's the translation of what you get when you use a Chinese language keyboard to type my password. Oh, that's hilarious. So all these people have that password. They may be beating us in the trade wars, but at least we Americans know to use my password one. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, did Peter do well enough to win? We have a three-way tie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Never happened before. Bill, you say that every time it happens. <laughs> In just a minute, we're going to ask our panelists after Kylie Jenner who will be the next youngest billionaire. But first, thanks to Farmhouse Tavern for continuing to feed us and making me a happy little camper. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions, Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Godica writes our limericks. Our public address announcer is Paul Friedman. Our house manager is Tyler Green, assisted by Simon Tran and Mary D'Olio. Our interns are Alex McOwen and Rachel Klepper. Our web guru is Beth Novi. BJ Lederman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dornboss, and Lillian King. If you listen real close late at night. You can still hear Peter Gwynn's footsteps in the wind coming <laughs> ever closer. Technical directions from Lorna White. Her business and ops manager is Colin Miller. Our production coordinator is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian God's own Mohawk Chillog. And the executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Michael Danforth. Now, panel, who will be the next young billionaire? Adam Felber. Crystal Kardashian. Though still in the womb when she launches her line of designer amniotic fluids and becomes a billionaire, she will nonetheless be described as self-made. <laughs> Roxanne Roberts. Rihanna's cousin, Sandra, realizing people want their poolside offices for all those office supplies, will start Rihanna's Bananas Cabanas. <laughs> <laughs> and Peter Gross. My 10-year-old son will invent and patent a toilet paper holder for rebellious unders who want to rebel against the tyranny of toilet paper etiquette. <laughs> Any of those people become billionaires, we'll ask you about it here on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Adam Felber, Roxanne Roberts, and Peter Gross. Thanks to all of you for listening. I am Peter Sagal, and we will see you next week. This is NPR.